It seems like a sad state of affairs when a national group is the only one left trying to right the ship on our congressional districts. The state organizations have stopped for this year. It's a story we'll be talking about on Today in Ohio, the news podcast discussion from Cleveland.com and The Plain Dealer. I'm Chris Quinn here with Lisa Garvin, Laura Johnston, and Layla Tassi on a Friday for a wrap-up of the week's news. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Happy Friday. Ready for snow tomorrow, right? Aww. Boo. Boo. Laura's going to go skiing again, I guess. No, the ski hill is closed. <laughs> Done. She'll make one in the backyard, season. pile up some... <laughs> okay. All the lumber Let's that's begin. been hauled to her. <laughs> Let's begin with the Cleveland Browns. Today is the day Deshaun Watson will finally face reporters in town followed by the owners of the team, Jimmy and Dee Haslam, who we have not heard from directly, just through statements. Lisa, you spent some time looking up to see what Deshaun Watson is actually accused of in the 22 civil suits that massage therapists have filed against him. Being delicate, what basically is he accused of here? And it was pretty much the same M.O. in all of these 22 incidents. He would call a massage therapist to his home or apartment or wherever he was at the time. So he would expose himself and then position his body in such a way where he might have physical contact with the therapist. That is correct. Uh, And that is not allowed. You're not supposed to expose yourself. You're not supposed to position your body in such a way as you have contact. I am a little bit surprised if this is what the details are that the grand jury heard from all of these women and decided it wasn't a crime because there are crimes that cover this. It's importuning and and some other things. I am not allowed by law to expose myself to people and seek to have physical contact with them without their consent. Layla, you covered courts. This is strange. I mean, I'm, I'm stunned that i mean what was the news yesterday regarding that second grand jury that they that they they didn't they declined they declined yeah, but it was not a new case it was one of the original nine cases so it was not a new case it was just seen in the wrong county mm, okay i mean still i i just i'm shocked that dozens of cases have come before grand juries and and they all represent the same pattern and none of them have stuck i, I just and what I, they I'm, described I'm kind of surprised is a crime. I mean, they're describing the elements of a crime. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we all know prosecutors, if they don't want to get an indictment for a grand jury, they can do things so they don't. And if they want to get an indictment, even if they don't deserve one, you know, the line in Cuyahoga County's always been they could indict a ham sandwich. Well, but, so, but to be clear, there are 22 civil cases. There were only nine cases that were sent to the grand jury. Okay, so we have not heard from Mr. Watson here in town. And today he will meet with reporters alongside his coaches, which will be interesting because I I can't imagine that these questions are not going to be fired at him in rapid succession. And then two hours later, Dee and Jimmy Haslam will meet with reporters. And I guess they're going to describe what they call their extensive research into his past, which I can't wait to hear what extensive research they're talking about. Hmm. <laughs> well, <laughs> crickets. Yeah, I got they talked to all the women. Yeah, I know. I, did they talk to any of the women? Have they actually spoken with anybody who says, 
he's done these bad things or are they just talking to his defenders? So we'll see. It'll be a big day for the Deshaun Watson story. It's been the hottest story of the week in Cleveland. You're listening to Today in Ohio. Have the ACLU and the League of Women Voters of Ohio surrendered in the battle to get fair congressional districts this year? How is that going over with the people who want the fight to continue? Lisa, I'm pretty much astounded by this. This this was a battle that was for the heart of Ohio, that we're trying to get things right, finally. And it's been back and forth, back and forth, pushing, pushing, pushing. And then they just walk away? The ACLU of Ohio basically blinked, I think, in this case, and they, of course, have clients, including the League of Women Voters. So the ACLU of Ohio and their clients yesterday dropped the effort to block the latest GOP-drawn congressional map. They cited the Republican foot-dragging strategy. They said that that was the strategy all along for GOP lawmakers in the General Assembly was to get endless delays since the legislature controls election dates anyway. And of course, we've seen them digging their feet over these last few weeks. And when the Ohio Supreme Court ruled that it did not have jurisdiction, it gave the ACLU a difficult choice, they said. They have to start at square one again with a new lawsuit or pursue relief after the 2022 elections. And as you said, Chris, this did not go over well with a lot of Democratic operatives, both in Ohio and elsewhere. Well, you're, you're caving to all of the tactics that have been used to unfairly keep the districts skewed. You're, you're actually saying, okay, all of the sleazy tactics that the redistricted commission Republicans have used, all of the sleazy tactics that have gone on with the Republicans on the Supreme Court, it all works. So we will not have fair elections this year. We will not have fair congressional representation. You know, I, I'm really, the ACLU and the League of Women Voters surprise me here you could blame the league of women voters for us being in the position we're in if you'll recall back six seven years ago they had a ballot initiative that was going to completely change the way we we draw these lines and when the legislature said no no you know what we'll put a system together and we'll put it on the ballot they walked away and the system we ended up with is not nearly as good as the one the legal women voters had on the in the works so here we are with this mess that the legislature created and they're giving up i mean it's just man i i this is it this is the battle if you win here you change things for good and right. you walk away right and the I, midterms have oh go ahead laura I was just going to say, it's not over, right? Like, we still have one group That is correct. still possible. But, yeah, it is really disheartening for them to throw up their hands and say, well, the Republicans did some really shady stuff, so we're just going to let them get away with it for the next two years. Like, so what happens in the next two years? Yeah. We end up with unfair representation in the midterms. When You know, it's a... Look, the other thing is, yeah, there's another group that's fighting it, but they're not Ohioans. It's an outside group. Mm -hmm. So we basically are putting our hopes in outsiders to help solve Ohio's problems because the ACLU and the League of Women Voters in Ohio have given up. And it, it's just a bad scene for them to walk away from this fight. And I, I don't know, I, we're good. do we need another voting rights group that actually will carry the battle to its end? 
I will say that Senator or Senate President Matt Huffman's uh, public relations guy, John Fortney, immediately jumped into the fray and said, quote, it's always entertaining when liberal special interests start to panic and expose themselves for the hypocrites that they truly are. And I can't believe he said that with a straight face. I, well, look, I, I think a lot of people are really surprised by this. They're they're in the, they're in the final minute They're This is it. We're right up against it. The Supreme Court has welcomed this follow-up suit. It's not like it's going to take a year to deal with. The Supreme Court repeatedly has said the legislature can move the election. This is a, this is a serious battle. I, I hope the national group gets it done, but I just am aghast that the Ohio-based groups that claim to represent all of our interests are given up and saying, you know what, we'll take another couple of years of, of unfair representation in Ohio. We'll deny lots and lots of Ohioans fair representation and we'll skew Congress in the in the offing because we just don't feel like we should pursue it any further. A, a mind boggling development. I, I just I, I I don't know that Ohio should any longer put its faith in the ACLU and the legal wound voters to represent its interests when they drop the ball like this. And I just wonder if there's somebody else that that should be getting the support. You know, when people donate to nonprofits, do they want to donate to people that tuck tail and go home? Or do they want to donate to people who are going to fight the right battle? Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Lots of developments to come in this redistricting battle. It's today in Ohio. The I Promise School in Akron has the well-known support of LeBron James, but now it's getting support from a legendary rapper based on him hitting it big with roulette. Who is it and how is he supporting the school? Laura, this is down in your neck of the woods from where you grew up. Yeah, and it's a very cool school. I don't know if anybody's seen the um, documentary on on the first year, but this is a million dollar donation that Drake announced in a video on his Instagram page on Wednesday. And he explained that, yeah, he, he hit his biggest winnings ever playing roulette on stake and he's going to give it to the kids in Akron. LeBron is in the video. He says, wow, I appreciate it. My kids are going to go crazy for that. And he hugged Drake. And uh, this will will be used, I'm sure, for it's the Akron Public School, so they do get public funding. But there's all sorts of extra programs like wraparound services for families and the kids. I'm sure this will help out with a lot. Are these like the luckiest school kids on the planet? <laughs> I mean, they have the support of LeBron, which, you know, he's got tons of money and he brings lots of attention there. Now they're getting a million bucks because he hit it big in Lorette with uh, Drake. This is wouldn't it be great if all public schools had this kind of private financial support? I, absolutely. And these kids definitely are lucky for getting into this school. But when they chose the kids to go to this school, they chose from the bottom of the performers in the Akron public school system, the kids who were really needed the most help. So if you were like just going along fine, getting okay grades, learning how to read and, and do math, you weren't going to get into school. So these are the kids who need the most help. And the LeBron James Family Foundation provided the $2 million in original funding. It's actually in this it used to be a, a health care center, I believe. It's right on um, near Merriman Road in Akron, near McDonald's. And it was swing space for a lot of the Akron public schools. And they have this grand staircase with all these sneakers on either side. It looks like a very cool place to go to school. And they took over the old Tangier Entertaining Center, and they're making that into a like family support center called, uh, I think it's home House 330, which 330 is the zip or area code in Akron. And that's going to have all sorts of other help stuff for kids after school. 
the Drake is going to show up at some point to present the check. So you've got to think LeBron will be there to Obviously, celebrate yeah. that. So these kids are going to have a, a school assembly like you never see. Is right, hopefully with kid. a musical performance. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I feel like this is uh, be a really big deal. It's a, it's a big moment for the I Promise School and the salute to LeBron and Drake for, for pursuing it. You're listening to Today in Ohio. With the Omicron B variant spreading rapidly in the United States, has the federal and Ohio government run out of money for coronavirus testing? Layla, it seems like a broken record. We 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 get ready, we we try and deal with the, the pandemic, then as it abates, we drop everything and walk away. Are, are we really not ready again for this surge? That yeah, come? I don't think we are. I mean, and if you look around, I think people have given up anyway. <laughs> but yes, the federal government certainly is running out of money. Joe Biden said this week that we're running out of money for COVID testing, for treatment, for vaccines, and Congress has failed to appropriate more with Democrats and Republicans at an impasse in negotiating that portion of a larger $1.5 trillion spending bill. Laura Hancock tells us that. So as as far as COVID te- funding goes, of the $1.9 trillion from last year's American Rescue Plan, just $300 billion remains, but $240 billion is already earmarked for cities and states, and $60 billion is for FEMA emergencies. So we really do need this carve-out from the 2022 spending bill for COVID testing and vaccines. In Ohio, it's really unclear how people who are uninsured are going to be affected by the dwindling funds if this doesn't get resolved. During a COVID update Thursday, Ohio Department of Health Director Dr. Bruce Vanderhoff said he's he's keeping hope alive that the proposal to fund COVID-19 prevention and treatment isn't dead. People are working behind the scenes to get that money, he said. He told people, go get the test if you need it, get the therapy if you need it, get a vaccine if you need it, and, and don't sweat the funding. But that to that I say, yeah, but the funding. <laughs> so. Well, the, the, the problem with these variants, and Ohio knows this well, is they, they strike regionally. Ohio was, especially northern Ohio, was one of the first to get battered by Omicron A. We were slammed by it in December and January, so much so that all the emergency testing centers opened again and had lines that were, remember, people couldn't even get there on the same day. It was so bad. So, but the rest of the country didn't see that. So is that, the, is that what'll happen? We'll have regional needs and there'll be panic and, and trying to find money quickly to set up these testing yeah, centers. You know, I think what the pandemic has taught me is that <clears throat> we are like goldfish in a fish bowl that we just, you know, when, the, when <laughs> we forget <laughs> immediately how the crisis strikes us and as soon as it passes, it's like, you know, we're just bubbling around and everything's back to normal. And, you know, we're swimming through the castle. And uh, then the crisis strikes and we're not ready again. And, um, you know, so I, I think that's what it's going to be. Uh, you know, I, I, last night I was actually out and, um, yeah, we're in green zone. That's cool. But Omicron B is circulating in Europe. It's 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 not detected it's... in high levels here yet, but it is coming and everyone is just packed into these you know it's just i don't know no actually it's spreading rapidly in the united states Mm -hmm. now they're finding it much much more than they were even a week ago what surprises me here is for decades we were told a pandemic is coming and nobody listened we weren't prepared but for the past two years we've lived it we know what it means and so it's no longer this 
you know, vague thing that's in the sky. It's like, this is real and it keeps coming back. How can we not be ready for the next surge? Because be the second surge. the surge passes, everyone's like, we're free, it's over. And then they just go back to, and nobody takes any precaution or thinks about, all right, what did we learn here? How do we prepare for the next one? What do we need to do? No one thinks <laughs> about it. No one. Also, fourth booster, people. Let's <laughs> let's yeah. avoid a, a surge by getting out more boosters. All right, bubbling goldfish. That's the image of the day for me. <laughs> You're listening to Today in Ohio. How is Senator Rob Portman of Ohio raising the alarm about the spread of cryptocurrency and ransomware? You know, Lisa, the, the cryptocurrency thing to me just, just hits me as a gigantic Ponzi scheme because cryptocurrency, unlike real currency, has no real value. And and the only way you make money on it is by getting suckers to buy into it. So <laughs> yours goes up if more and more people buy into it and make it more expensive. And eventually we know how that ends. But there's a real serious danger of having this very difficult to trace kind of digital currency. And that's what Portman is talking about. Right. And he's also talking about ransomware as well. Portman is the ranking Republican on the Senate Committee on Homeland Security and Government Affairs. And he issued a report and he's urging quick implementation by the Biden administration of the recently enacted Cyber Incident Reporting Act. This aids in information sharing to enhance government cyber defenses and their investigative efforts. And it also provides proactive steps to secure networks against attacks. And all cyber attacks must be reported to the Homeland Security, Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency so they can begin tracking all this. But they did have a, a lot of um, recommendations to companies and organizations, both large and small. They said you should really be doing multi-factor authentication. You should have complex password requirements. You should maintain your inventories to the last device of your software and hardware stuff, offline data backups, and then have an incident response plan. So, you know, and crypto does kind of play into ransomware because a lot of these ransom attacks are asking for cryptocurrency as payment. Because you can't trace it. Exactly. Because they, they, they get it and they walk away with it and it's impossible to find them. It's really enabled a lot of bad actors to be able to, to trade value unseen untracked i mean normally if i trash your computer and i want you to give me money you've got to send it somewhere that conceivably i could trace but with cryptocurrency i cannot so interesting that rob portman is in the middle of that did we really not see this coming i mean for a long time everyone was like oh cryptocurrency and if you don't understand what it is you're just an idiot who is not you know in the in the i mean what that's a it's a Ponzi yeah. scheme. There, yep. There's no, there is no value here. It's just, you know, when when Matt Damon is on a Super Bowl commercial saying fortune favors the brave, he's trying to oh get suckers God. to buy in <laughs> so that he can cash out. That's, That's right. It, it, this is the definition of a Ponzi scheme, and it's amazing that it's been given this imprimatur of real investing, and and people keep getting tempted to get in. And the I mean, impossibility of tracing it. I, I just, I, I feel like, okay, I don't know anything about it. The second I heard it, I'm like, this is a scam. Why is everyone buying into this? And, uh, you know, everyone just makes you feel like, you know, Elon Musk making you feel like you're an idiot because you're not a part of it. And, uh, you know, you don't understand it. So, you know, I guess you're an outsider. This was so predictable. And, you know, anyone who gets had by it deserves it. 
<laughs> We're going to hear from some people who completely disagree with this. Please and bring that crypto it. Is the bring future, it because this this is this is so this was so predictable. Yeah, I'm I'm completely with you. It's a scam. You're listening to Today in Ohio. How much additional support is Cleveland giving to the program that supplies free lawyers to people facing eviction? Laura, this is something that Kevin Kelly helped get done working with the United Way and legal aid, giving people facing eviction the right to counsel, something that's very important as Mm -hmm. we've all talked about shelter. Cleveland Council is stepping it up again. Yeah, they're going to add an additional $200,000 into this program. That makes a total of $500,000 for the year. And the rest of the money does come from Legal Aid and United Way. It spent $2.7 million on this program last year, but it's really making a huge difference. I mean, it's when they started in mid-2020, about 18% of renters in pending eviction cases against them were, sorry, 18% now, it was 2% before the program started. So think about that. They're getting representation in a case where they're trying, you know, people are trying to kick them out of their homes. And so it's huge. It it kept people in their homes. It kept kids in school. And they didn't need other social services because they were able to keep living in their places. Yeah, I would love, it, it'll take a while because it hasn't been around that long, but I would love in five years to be able to go back and look at what the savings was to the public for this program because of all the social services that were not necessary because we kept people in their homes and what it means to the kids that don't have to change schools and and have their education torn apart a great so far they're saying 4.3 to 4.7 million dollars in benefits just last year and that's a combination of savings and other benefits but i mean that's a lot of money yeah, I think it's too early for them to say that. And these guys always make these claims early on. <laughs> Whether they're like direct and indirect benefits. Yeah, like, how indirect? You really want to get some academic rigor to what the real savings are. And again, you need some time to pass because it's long-term costs, not short-term costs. It's today in Ohio. Do experts believe the hot housing market will cool off in the coming months or will the prices keep rising? Layla, some people have suggested that the housing market's a bubble, but a lot say, no, it's not. It's the result of the work from home movement and a bunch of other Mm -hmm. factors. Housing is hot. Yes. Eric Isaac reports that as we enter the busiest season of the year for buying and selling homes, real estate prices are just continuing to soar. Increases in interest rates after the record lows seen earlier during the coronavirus pandemic have not stopped average sale prices from increasing in all seven greater Cleveland counties and throughout the state for that matter. Rather, a lack of homes for sale, as well as a lack of new home construction, are fueling a really frustrating market that's filled with anxiety for buyers, many of whom really just want more space after being all cooped up with their families during the pandemic. They want to just spread out a little bit and they're looking for their forever home and, you know, all the upgrades. So realtors are telling Eric that there are tons of buyers out there and just not enough inventory to keep up. So that basic supply and demand equation is driving prices through the roof. We're even to the point where sale prices during the normally off months of the year have higher prices than in the past spring and summer months when the most sales activity takes place. In Cuyahoga County, for example, the average sale price in February 2020 was $177,516. Last month, it was 213795 that's pretty dramatic. Homeowners are, are getting unsolicited offers from buyers that basically say, name your price. 
and they're willing to sweeten the deal by agreeing to forego inspections or to pay fees associated with the sale. It's it's insanity. And, and you know, so for anyone listening out there, you can have my house for $8.5 million. I'll pack my bags <laughs> today. I do think it's interesting that you mentioned people are looking for more space to expand because of the pandemic. And two of the people on this podcast are doing just that right now well, with construction. I'm not getting any yeah. square footage. I'm just making it nicer. <laughs> I so, am getting a, a second full bathroom, which is going to be very exciting. That's but, awesome. But you're right. I mean, I've had I have family members that have, you know, they keep saying, oh, it's just too expensive and they keep waiting. And it's like, OK, it's like you're waiting. It keeps ex- growing. I just don't see an end to to this. Laura, has our story published yet? I dug it out yes. of the system. Mm-hmm. It is yep. published. OK, so check it out on Cleveland.com. You're listening to Today in Ohio. What killed 15 Canada geese around the lower lake in Shaker Heights. And should we be worried? Lisa, I'm not sure I'm worried about Canada geese because they're like rats running all over the place. (laughs) But what does this mean for the rest of birds? Well, uh, it's concerning to me because there are things going on elsewhere. But they did find these 15 Canada geese on the lower lake in Shaker Heights. Cuyahoga County Wildlife Officer Zach Hillman says avian flu is suspected, but not yet confirmed. They sent a couple of the uh, geese carcasses for a necropsy, and but he says there's nothing in the air or the earth, so there were no toxins that probably caused these deaths. And avian flu does spread through bird populations, wild and domestic. It kind of happens every now and then, kind of like human flu. It's not curable or treatable. But the concerning thing is, is that, as I did some research, there are big outbreaks in commercial and backyard chicken farms in Wisconsin, Maine, Nebraska, Texas, Iowa, other states, and upwards of, you know, a million chickens have had to be slaughtered already. So avian flu is out there. Yeah, that's what's concerning is the geese have proliferated in greater Cleveland. They're everywhere. And as Layla points out, when they walk in front of your car, they know what they're doing. <laughs> but <laughs> They know. I'm sure these geese just ate too many French fries from the parking lot where they loiter all day. <laughs> but, I don't like it. The parking lot doesn't bother me. It's when they stand on the beach like, you cannot come oh. in here. And you're like, no, no. Like, I wanted to walk. Okay, so we're all agreed. A few, fewer geese, not a problem. But when we start affecting the rest of the bird population it becomes problematic i mean we have eagles all through here mm-hmm. and if the eagles started to to feast on some of these areas maybe they'd get them and that would be and bad owls and we, yeah. owls yeah okay you're listening to today in ohio we're going to end on a fun one what were the questions people had to answer in the 1950 census for which all records are being released on april 1st Laura, every 10 years, we get this big batch of data from a very old 70-year-old census. Genealogists treasure it. I've gone through it every time it's come out. It's great fun. This is the first one that will have a bunch of celebrities and well-known people like Bruce Springsteen and Donald Trump. But, But every census has somewhat different set of questions. What are we going to learn when we see this data? Yeah, there's uh, everybody had to answer at least 20 questions. Some people had to uh, answer up to 38. And obviously, you had to put your household address. Then they asked, is the household on a farm or a ranch? Is it on a place of three or more acres? You had to have your name, your relationship to the head of a household, uh, your race. In 1950, Hispanic people were reported as white. Sex, age on the last birthday, naturalization status of born, born. And then people who were 14 and, and older had employment status. 
industry in which the person is employed and the class of workers, such as a private government or owner of a business. And then sometimes they want to know where your parents were born, how much school you attended, and the length of your residency in high school. Sorry, and, length of residency in a household. And, and it's released to the public and all the genealogical sites make it accessible and you can go and look at the actual forms that your mm -hmm. parents or your grandparents filled out. Uh, th this also always seems to reveal some things to families that were not necessarily known. Like there might be somebody living in the household at the time that no one was aware of and raises well, and questions. That's why they keep it hidden for 72 years because the idea was like that's as long as people are going to be living, right? So you wouldn't have to be uh, your privacy would not be invade, invaded by this. but And to get to some of those celebrities, you're going to have to know who their parents were. Like, you can't just Google Bruce Springsteen census and get the form. I mean, somebody might put up a story with this form, right? And Because it's all public information, but you couldn't just search the census for that. Um, but it will tell, and in 1940, it was handwritten. I don't know if 1950s handwritten, they have to have, you know, special... Um, software that is going to let you search all of that. And so we're not sure exactly how easy it would be to find, but this is the biggest Cleveland ever was in 1950 in the census, 914,808 citizens at the time. And actually of the top 10 cities in the country in 1950, only two of them have grown since, which I found really interesting. Well, and it will be searchable eventually because the genealogical yeah. sites, Ancestry and True. all those, they, they put it in there so that you can search it because they make a lot of money from subscribers looking at it. So it's not right away. They've got to do the indexing and, and checking, but it does come. And you're right. For Cleveland, this is going to be a fascinating look back in time and, and see where where people I mean, were. We're at, what, like 320? I'm, I'm just going off the top of my head of people in Cleveland, 320,000. I mean, that would be three times the size that we are now. Yeah, it's always fun to go through this. And because they ask slightly different questions, you you can always learn a few things. I mean, we'll all, I'm sure, be looking up our parents and our grandparents and all that kind of stuff. Good stuff. Check it out. It's April 1st next week. You're listening to Today in Ohio. That wraps up the week of episodes for this podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you, Laura. Thank you, Layla. We'll all be back again on Monday.